I am so glad you're here. We want to uh, extend a welcome, and we're glad that every one of you are here. If this is a first time for you, we're really excited for you that you chose today because we're beginning a new series today. The series today that we're beginning is going to begin four sessions together. It's called Me and My Big Mouth. And so if that's uh, something that sounds interesting to you, um, this week in particular, the topic is complaining. So... If, if this was your first day ever, here's the thing. So if you don't have any trouble complaining, that's, and, and you thought, this is a bummer of a day to come and hear this, just sit there and gloat, all right? We're totally okay with that. I have a feeling, though, that this really addresses where each one of us lives. Have you noticed that it seems like complaining has become epidemic? It's like everybody is complaining more and more and more all around us. And here's how I view it. Even if you're one of those that are doing really, really well, and you're not a complainer, it's like you're totally affected by secondhand smoke. <laughs> like complaining is just like affecting you. And so I don't know where you're coming from. Here's where I'm coming from. I desperately need this series. It's like, I wish I didn't have to preach this because this hits really close to home. And while I'm preparing, it's like, oh, there I go again. In fact, first service. Right in the middle of the service, my, my sound system wasn't working just right. And uh, I looked back there, and nobody was back there. And I thought, oh, uh, can somebody get, and I said, oh, am I complaining? I guess I was, you know. It's like, so, you know, it sneaks up on all of us, this whole complaining issue. So here's our focus. I think we kind of believe it a little bit. It is complaining has seriously terrible personal consequences. We kind of believe that for that other guy, <laughs> that other gal. I mean, <laughs> they're such a complainer. Man, they have serious problems. I can't believe they complain like that. And we see it for everybody else, but it's a little hard to see in the mirror. And so we kind of need to put on our ears a little bit and try to look at ourselves and keep our elbows to the sides and not do this because it's like, wait a minute, uh, yeah. So complaining has seriously terrible personal consequences. Now, warning, what I'm about to say has the potential to offend you, okay? But I want to, before I say it, I'm going to say, God loves you. <laughs> and he wants to say this to help you. And he wants to say this to help me. Okay? When I first ran across this idea, man, it stung. And here's the idea. Potential to offend. Com uh, the next quote, please. Complaint is the native language of the unbelieving heart. Whew. You stinging yet? That stings me because I, I believe that I have a believing heart. And yet, I still speak with that other native language. I still will sometimes, just when I, when I need to, vent. Oh, man. It's like, oops, wrong language. And here's, here's why it's the wrong language. It's the wrong language because I believe that God is God and that he wasn't surprised by that thing I'm complaining of. I believe that God is God, and he is able to 
actually mold me and shape me and strengthen me and so I can look at this thing that I'm complaining about from a God viewpoint and trust God through it. And so my very complaining is the language of unbelief because I'm not really trusting him through this very thing that I'm complaining about. All right, are your toes squished? Stop. Okay, so if complaint is the native language of the unbelieving heart, let me just ask you, what is the native language of the believing heart? Good guesses, here we go. The native language of the believing heart. Praise and gratitude is the native language of the believing heart. Okay, if that's all we said today, we'd come away with something. And that would be helpful. But we need to dig in this a little bit deeper. So let's jump into the words of Jesus right into Luke chapter 6. Here's what Jesus said. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Uh, normally I have a Dasani water bottle up here. Today I brought my favorite travel mug. It's actually great. It's a snap-on. It's got this screw-on lid. And uh, what's so cool about this thing is you have no idea what I have in here. <laughs> you cannot see. What is it that he's got in there? There's, it's a, it's a thing, and I can drink out of it, and you have no clue what I'm drinking. It's like totally hidden. And so when I'm kind of going for this, hey, isn't it good that I have this thing as a snap-on? Good lip. You know what this is? This is the mouth of this coffee mug. And what's so cool about this mouth and why I like it is it's screw-on, okay? Not just slip-on, screw-on. And... This thing, the snap-on, has a snap-on lips. <laughs> you close the lips, it's like, so good, I can do this. And you have no idea what color the fluid is inside of there. Right? You're just guessing. But if my lips are not sealed, whatever is stored up inside of there comes out. When your life is upset, whatever you say reveals some things that have been stored inside of there. That's what Jesus is talking about. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. You still guessing? Hmm. All right. James wrote in 40 AD, kind of commentary reflecting on Jesus' words. He wrote to the church in Jerusalem, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. So we get upset, boom, oh, 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 and we say, excuse my French. And I want to say, excuse me? We do know that didn't come 
from the Kingdom of France. <laughs> That's not the native language of the Kingdom of France. Which kingdom did that come from? We like to excuse the staining remarks that stain all over and drip and spew everywhere, and it came from where? We want to just say, oh, it's no big deal, it's just words. But James says it's a big deal. It isn't just words. There is a reflection of what's inside, and what is inside comes from either the kingdom of light or the kingdom of darkness. It isn't the kingdom of France or America. It is reflecting what is being stored inside. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. So here's the deal. Even if you've got a great snap-on lid, okay? Right? I didn't curse, but what's inside? Right? So really, we're not talking about just my mouth, right? All right. We continue in James, as we keep reading here, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So if you open up your heart and take a good look and you look inside of the stuff that's coming out and you don't like the color in which kingdom it belongs to, what do you do? Well, Scripture talks about repenting, pouring it out, replacing, storing up, but I'm going to describe it as more incremental than that. You don't know what color really is in there, and I'm not going to tell you or show you. Um, <clears throat> you could take the pure water from the spring of Jesus Christ and start pouring it in, and it's going to bubble over, and it's going to have a mixed color until you keep pouring it in, keep pouring it in, keep pouring it in, and then when it comes out clear and it reflects the kingdom that you want stored inside, now you can put it back on and... Spill it out. And when it spills out, people go, wow. What, what is it that causes you to respond with that? I don't get it. What is the hope that you have that you're able to handle this? Like, it seems almost unreal, supernatural. Something's odd about you. We're talking about learning how to go there on the inside and not just figure out how to seal the lips, okay? We're not just talking about vocabulary. We're talking about storing up and completely changing from the inside out a goodness that other people get a sense of. Here's something I know about you. It's easy to evaluate other people. Have you ever met anybody Anybody that is spewing off this complaint, this huge string of complaint, it's like, wow, that was good. I'd like to be able to complain like you. <laughs> Nobody admires a complainer. 
We see it in other people, and nobody wants to be like the complainer. But we don't see it in ourselves. We think, it's right. I should complain. We think, I need to vent. I got to get justice. I got to get it out because this is just wrong, and I can't believe it. Right? Um, the, the sound effects and the face effects are less offensive than the actual complaint. So you would have to interpret. But we excuse ourselves when we go there because it feels so good for only a short time. Point number one, and you're ready for some blanks if you want to fill some blanks in. Here's point number one. My problem is not my mouth. The problem is me. That's why this series is called Me and My Big Mouth. So don't be thinking about your neighbor. Don't be thinking about the complainer that might be different than you. Let's be thinking about me and my big mouth. And you've all been there. You've said something. Finally, you realize, oh, wow, you're busy kind of trying to remove the stain that you just blipped out and the stains are out there and it's hurting people around you and now you're retracting, trying to figure out, oh, me, my big mouth, and you try to figure out how to bring it back and make it better. Whew, okay, so we all have been there. If not, just gloat. <laughs> now I want to go, I want to take a turn because I want to venture into the world of science. Now I'm not a scientist, but I was surprised by these articles. Somebody pointed me to them and I thought, Whoa, I can't believe it. So I'm going to just begin with the summary statements. Science says complaining makes us feel worse. We think that if I just complain because it's unjust, it's not right. If I just complain, I can feel a little bit better. But science says, no, 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 no. It's not how it works. You complain, and then you'll want to complain more. And then you'll want to, you just think of it as venting, and then I'll feel better. No, 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 no. It's going to actually move you into a worse state of mood, a worse place. It's going to get worse on you, not better. Science says that. Okay? These are summary statements. I'll back it up in a moment. Complaining is bad for your health. It releases a hormone that's a stress-induced hormone that actually diminishes your immune system. You literally are more unhealthy as you become more complaining. Negative. And lastly, this is one I'll spend some time on. Complaining is bad for your brain. So to back up the complaining is bad for your brain, here's some uh, articles reduced down into just a few paragraphs, and if you're a scientist, sorry, I'm doing some injustice, but, but look up some of these ideas. It's fascinating. So here, from the world of neuroscience, synapses that fire together get wired together is a big phrase that they're using now because of the new discoveries. Synapses are like these electrical firings that are a part of our thinking process in the brain. Synapses that fire together get wired together. Whenever you have a thought, one synapse shoots a chemical across the empty space called the synaptic cleft to another synapse. It builds a bridge with an electrical signal. It carries the relevant thought from one place to another. Okay, so just a visual. This is crude, but all right, here's a visual. Your brain fires off a synapse, a little electrical impulse. Okay, and the is a kind of a negative thought association. Then you actually combine it with the complaint. And then the electrical impulse, do you see two horns there? The, the, electrical, <laughs> sorry, the electrical impulse shoots across the synaptic cleft, and it actually 
shapes your brain so that the thought and the impulse come closer and closer together. Here's where we're going to go with this. The next quote reads this way. Every time the synapse fires across the cleft, the two synapses grow closer together, making it easier and more automatic to repeat the pattern of this firing of synapses again later. The brain rewrites, or sorry, rewires its own circuitry, physically changing itself to make it easier and more likely to spark that same kind of thinking again later. Hmm. Now, what that means in easy-to-say language is you have this negative thought, you speak this negative thought as it's associated with a negative event, and then the thought and event get closer associations because you're forming a pattern complaint for that, that event. And now your brain is actually programmed, in, interestingly enough, designed by God to make these kinds of patterns easier so you don't have to think about it. Now, why would God design that? Because it's true for the other impulses as well. It's true for gratitude as well. Instead of firing a negative thought, you fire off a praise, a trusting, grateful thought, and you bring a synapse closer to association, and now you're patterning your brain to be more grateful, praising person. And actually, science is beginning to say this. So if, you have a, if you're not careful and you complain, you're actually training your brain to complain again and complain more readily this time with the next event that even is similar to that because you established that pattern. Next thing you know, you'll be complaining and you won't know why you were complaining. <laughs> because you'll be walking down the sidewalk, da, 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 whoa, I can't believe that. And somebody goes, what, what? And you're going, uh, hmm. Because you automatically programmed your brain, brain, brain to go to complaint, instead of joy. Go to complaint instead of praise. A pattern has pushed you into becoming a negative person instead of a positive person because of what you're doing with your thought processes. Here's what's exciting to me about this. They just discovered this. And the Bible has been talking about it for 2,000 years. And we're going to show you some of those connections in a moment. It's like, are you kidding me? Yes. I mean, no. The patterns actually are happening in our lives and we can do something about it. Point number two. Can you tell that I had some coffee? <laughs> That's why this is filled with water. Fooled you. Okay, point number two. Complaining is contagious. Complaining is contagious. Here's what science says. If you want to strengthen your capacity for being grateful and positive and weaken your complaining gloomy side, you need to choose your external input well. So, like I said earlier, complaining can affect you even if you're not a complainer. It can affect you like secondhand smoke. It can start to pattern your brain when somebody else is complaining. You can start to pattern your brain to complain more easily when you're around complaint. But this is much broader than merely complaint. What comes out of your life reflects what you have stored up in your life. Jesus said it. And so what 
you can do is consciously store up good things in your life so that good things come out. Consciously cut out the external negative stimulus in your life so that you can have good things come out. Here's what our world believes. It really doesn't matter what show you watch. It really doesn't matter what music you listen to. It really doesn't matter if you do this and do that. That's what the world believes. But science is starting to say, yes, it does. It affects you. You're becoming a negative person. And Scripture says it too. Paul said, Think on these things, whatever is lovely, whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is good repute. And then if I had my synapses firing right, I could name off several others. All these different good things are what you set your mind on and store up inside of you. Literally, don't go there. Start to fill yourself up with the good stuff so that what spills out is the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of darkness. Because it affects you. Science and the Bible are starting to line up pretty amazingly here. Point number three. Train yourself to store up gratitude. So here's two principles. Garbage in, garbage out. Grace in, gratitude out. Which choice are you going for. If you're just living life, garbage in, garbage in, garbage in, doesn't matter what I watch, garbage in, garbage in, garbage in, garbage will come out when you least expect it. And then you go, me and my big mouth. Because as hard as you thought you had sealed your lips, it came out when you didn't expect it because garbage in, garbage in, garbage in, garbage out. But grace in, grace in, grace in. Gratitude comes out when you least expect it. And others least expect it too, and they're going, whoa, where did that come from? How did you do that? How could you be so calm? Why are you at peace? What is going on here? Paul, early in his ministry, was with a buddy named Silas, and things went south on their ministry fast. They were arrested, they were scourged, their back were bloody pulps, they were taken down into a dungeon, they were put in stocks, and so you're in stocks, you're stuck in this filth and stinky place where other people were stuck in stocks. And the weirdest thing came out of Paul and Silas. They began to sing. You can read about this if you'd like to in Acts chapter 16. I won't finish the story. You can look at it. It's a beautiful story. It affected everybody in the dungeon, including the jailer. They couldn't wrap their minds around how these two could be responding so positively with what they had gone through. We get some hints from Paul as to how this takes place in some of the words of Paul in some of his letters. Like in Philippians chapter 2, we read this. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice, oops, time out, we would go, what? If you haven't read the Old Testament. The Old Testament, they would have temple worship, and in temple worship, there's various kinds of sacrifices. One of the sacrifices is called the drink sacrifice. And this drink offering 
was where you take a very valuable and expensive great wine, for example, and on the altar that has been a burnt altar and it's burning hot and it's, there's some other things there that are burning, part of the offering is to pour out the drink offering on the sacrifice. And when that happens, it goes... There's a visual and there's an aroma. Paul is comparing his own life as his life is being poured out. He is in the Roman imprisonment. He is being chained to a Roman guard and they keep swapping out the guards and he's been there for years. He'll be there approximately two years if my synapses are working right. And then he's going to be released, but he doesn't know he's going to be released. He says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. All these guards are looking at him and trying to figure out what makes you tick? Why are you fine with this? Don't you know you can die? And he says, I know. Isn't it great? (laughs) What? (laughs) Then he would tell them about my Savior has just totally conquered death, and I have his life in me. Resurrection life is coursing through my veins. I don't know if I'm going to live or die, but to live is Christ, to die is gain. I'll be absent from the body, but present with Christ. And he just talks and talks and talks. And it's just, he's just writing about it. I'm glad that my life is being poured out as a drink offering. I'm happy. He's not complaining. I'm glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Are you kidding me? It's like, what is that that just came out of your life? And then we read in chapter one. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. You know, all these guys that are chained to me, they're like a captive audience. I've been one by one converting them. The whole palace, are, they're all believers. I always wanted to go to Rome. I didn't picture it quite like this, but they're like all converts now, and they're spreading the word. It's incredible. Do you see what he's doing here? Through the perspective that God has on his circumstances, he just flipped the circumstances from negative to positive. Flip your circumstances with God's perspective. Stop complaining. Flip your circumstances with God's perspective. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Trust. Praise. Gratitude is the native language of the believing heart. Romans 12, 2. I have to just give half the verse because we could keep going on and on and on. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Do you see it? The renewing of your mind. This is like science before science. The renewing of your mind. Here's how you get the synapses to work right. And once you get the synapses to work right, then you become a positive person. And science go, oh, wow, it works. But guess what? They can't do it like Paul can because they are totally missing the secret sauce. No matter how hard you try to just force yourself to talk right and say the right stuff and don't complain, oh, I need to, this horrible thing happens and I'm going to not complain about it. And you try to think about the good stuff. If you don't have the secrets off, good luck with that. It just doesn't work. I have the secret sauce. I have a savior. Would you stand with me? I wrote a prayer 
I don't want to show it to you just yet. I wrote a prayer because the answer is not trying harder to get the brain pattern to pattern. The answer is to have the Savior help us renew our mind with the truth. Now, if you're not quite sure you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're not even sure if you're a believer in God, we're about to put a prayer up, and there are certain phrases in there that you are literally asking Jesus to help you. You can ask him to be your savior. Now, if you're not ready to do that, I would still encourage you, if you're not a believer, you can still do this, because in a sense, you're saying, okay, God, if you're really there, I'm going to test you to see if you're a reality. I'm going to see if you really do make any kind of difference as it relates to my mouth. You can pray this prayer and just check out to see if what God says is real. Science says it works, but now you're trying to make it work with the secret sauce with Jesus. So if that's you, you pray it. But I wrote this prayer so that those of us who read and go, that's for them, nah, uh I wrote this prayer so every word of it is for all of us. If you're a believer, these words affect you. Here's the deal. It will only work to the degree that you have an encounter with God and you bring this prayer, you bring this prayer to God. So we're gonna all pray it out loud. You can try God out in this prayer. Ask God to respond to you as it relates to what is on the inside, okay? Let's read this together. Slowly. Dear God, you know better than I do that the solution for me in my big mouth is not me. <clears throat> trying harder to hold my tongue or trying harder to say the right things, the real hope for me in my big mouth is you. You are my Savior, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your sacrifice to take away all the darkness flowing from my heart. I come to you now for the forgiveness and new life you give through your victorious death, burial, and resurrection. Thank you for washing me clean. Renew me, restore me, and fill me with your spirit. Help me to cultivate the new life and joy you give. Help me to speak from the good things I store up in my heart. Help me to establish new patterns of grateful and grace-fueled thoughts and speech. I want to honor you with my mouth. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen? Amen. amen.